Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today is episode 966, and we'll look at Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 32. Let's read our passage. Then they left that place and made their way through Galilee, but they did not want anyone to know it. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise three days later. But they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask him. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark began with the Galilean ministry, Jesus traveling through Galilee, teaching, healing, casting out demons. And he encountered several religious leaders, and it was generally negative in his encounters with them. They went to some Gentile areas, non-Jewish areas, went up to Tyre, then down to Decapolis, then up to Caesarea Philippi. And it was on the way and at Caesarea Philippi in that region that we saw Peter's confession, where Peter said, you are the Christ. And we saw the transfiguration, where the three disciples witnessed Jesus in his glory, speaking with Moses and Elijah. Then they came down off the mountain, and last time we saw the encounter dealing with the demon-possessed boy. And through it all, we've seen the growth of the disciples' faith. They've been recognizing very slowly, seem to be exasperating Jesus at times, how slowly they are getting it, but understanding who he is. Until finally we got to Peter's confession, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. But even then, he still didn't understand the mission, because... When Jesus gave the first prediction of his death, Peter rebuked him and said, no, that's not the way it's going to happen. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Then the last time we saw the issue with the demon-possessed boy, the disciples were unable to cast the demon out. Jesus says, you can't do it without prayer. I think the background behind that is they were thinking they had the power now themselves to do this, not understanding it's still the power of God that does this. So it's not that you command the demon to come out. It's you ask God to bring the demon out. So now we pick it up in Mark chapter 9, verse 30, when they left that place and made their way through Galilee. So that place, does he mean Caesarea Philippi? Is he talking about the house they were in when he explained things to the disciples? Hard to say, but they're heading back to Galilee. Then he adds, but he did not want anyone to know it. So they're back in Galilee, but the Galilean ministry is over. They're in Galilee, but the only thing that's going to happen in Galilee now is some teaching of the disciples. There's not going to be an encounter with people, the regular people in Galilee now. It's just time with the disciples. Now, do you want anybody to know why? Well, every time somebody finds out he's there, there's a mob, and then Before too long, they have to leave because of the mob so they can get away. So it's probably in order to be close with his disciples. He's giving them deeper teaching now. He is explaining more about who he is, what his mission is, and the nature of the kingdom of God. They're getting ready to start heading toward Jerusalem very soon. And he's not going to be with them that much longer. So he needs to be preparing them for his death resurrection, his ascension to heaven. Verse 31, for he was teaching his disciples and telling them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. 
they will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise three days later. For he is given this more in-depth teaching now. It's not just who he is, it's what that means, what his mission is, what he's there for, what his whole goal is to accomplish. He's telling them the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. This is a little different from the first prediction where Jesus predicted his death and resurrection. Here it sounds pretty much the same, but if you really look at the details, here he says betrayed. Now, the word that gets translated betrayed literally means handed over or delivered. So it can be betrayed, and that's what some English translations say. Some English translations leave it, like many English translations just leave it at delivered or handed over. A question here, who's doing the delivering? We leave it at betrayal, like the CSB has. Obviously, he's talking about Judas. He's going to be betrayed by Judas and then executed. But if it's delivered or handed over, there could be some other meanings to that. Who's doing the delivering and handing over? In some respects, it's Jesus himself. He delivers himself. He hands himself over. All along, he makes it clear, if I want to stop this, I could stop this at any time. But I choose not to. And he's choosing the time. That's why he's been keeping things somewhat low-key, somewhat under wraps, because it's not the time yet. He gets to Jerusalem, and he's going to make it the time. Then when it's the time, he will hand himself over. Or it could be God himself handing over Jesus, because this is God's plan to hand the Messiah over for execution. Now, regardless of how Mark really means it here, as far as whether he means betrayed by Judas, or whether he means handed over, delivered by God himself, that is what's going on. Jesus is being delivered into the hands of men by God, by himself. And that's because of his mission. People are separated from God because of sin. God sends his son as the Messiah to bring about reconciliation. Sinful people kill Jesus, but God's plan and his purpose is still achieved. So, reconciliation is available through faith in Jesus Christ. So, it's just an interesting way to think about this. Uh, if you betrayed, obviously means Judas. But if it's delivered, or handed over, that could mean a lot of things. It's going to be handed over, then they will kill him. After he is killed, he will rise three days later. And we've talked about this. Three days later, on the third day, in three days, it all means the same thing. And the way they count days, Friday, the day he's executed, is day one. Saturday, he's in the grave, day two. Sunday, he comes out of the grave. That's day three. Verse 32, but they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask him. Hey, we look at this and say, what do you mean you don't understand it? What's so complicated? These aren't big words. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after he's killed, he will rise three days later. We don't have a problem understanding that, because that's our mindset. We, we know Jesus Christ is hung on the cross on Friday and comes out of the tomb on Sunday, appears to people. He is killed, buried, and resurrected. What's so hard to understand about that? Well, that statement is not hard to understand, but they don't get it. They don't have a framework in their minds for this. 
they're really beginning to understand who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. But death and resurrection don't figure into that. So they don't go together. These words, concepts, don't go with each other because it's so drilled into them. The, the role of the Messiah is to take the place of King David, basically, and be the leader of the nation of Israel, restore the nation of Israel, and lead the nation of Israel to fulfill its destiny in God's plan, which is to be a great nation. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's what the Messiah is. That's what the Messiah does. And so going to Jerusalem to be delivered into the hands of men to be killed and rise three days, what does, it doesn't make sense. The words just don't fit because it's so ingrained. This is what's going to happen. And we see this the next time. They're going to be arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They don't get the whole suffering servant, the whole idea of the Messiah is coming to die a substitutionary death for the sin of people who are separated from God. They don't understand. Messiah, it's a national thing, and you can't have a dead Messiah. It doesn't work. So they don't understand the statement. They can't understand the statement. This is, and they were afraid to ask him. Why do you think they're afraid? There's a variety of reasons. I, I think they're afraid of what his reaction is going to be. How many times when they don't get it, they say, how long do I have to put up with you guys? How dull are you guys? Don't you get it yet? Get behind me, Satan. And because that's the way he responds so often when they, they're all standing there looking dumb and we don't know what's going on. And Jesus says these things. So they're all probably elbowing each other and say, you ask him. I'm not going to ask him. You ask him. Or they might be afraid of the answer. Because he has said some things like to be a follower of me is to choose a path of suffering. And that's kind of scary talk. And maybe they don't want any more of that scary talk. They'd rather think about Jesus is going to step up, take over as the Messiah, become the king. They all get to be close to the king. And, and that's a whole lot more desirable outcome than going to Jerusalem and watching their leader get hung on a cross to die. So is it because they don't want the answer or is it because they're afraid of his reaction to their not understanding? Could be both. We don't know, but they're afraid to ask him what he means. As we step back and, and look at them and say, how dull are these people? Don't they understand They've, they've been there. They've actually seen the miracles with their own eyes. They actually have watched people be raised from the dead. They've been there and seen all these amazing things. How can they not understand? Well, it goes back to, can we see beyond the framework that we understand reality through? That's there because of what we've read in the Bible, what we understand from the way we've been brought up, what our popular culture, even our religious culture, tells us, can we really see beyond it? So often the answer is, no, we really can't. So it's not that we're any better than them. We just have a, a more complete frame of reference that we're understanding things through than they
they did. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of Mark.